another episode of the Real Life Game Changers. We are in for a treat tonight. Listen, some of the stuff we're going to be discussing in this episode around planning, financial planning, making sure you're secure and things are protected are going to be some things that people may have heard some terms banning around, but, but most people, they're not going to have fully understood. And I am also part of that club. I don't fully understand some of the stuff that we're talking about tonight. So I'm excited to get into it. So if you're watching this live, put hashtag live. If you're watching it on the replay, put hashtag replay. And I am going to go find this. Here we go. Yeah, I'm going to go find this now. Um, so what we're going to have is the opportunity for you guys to win. Yeah, because we're going to win some prizes here. Uh, and these prizes will help you in your financial future and your financial independence and your business and your life goals. So all you need to do is hit the share button and tag at least 20 people and you will be going into prize draw. So listen, this uh, person I want to introduce you to on this podcast, this episode of the Real Life Game Changers is a game changer with over 30 years experience in the planning and uh, the financial industry. So I'm excited to really just get stuck in. So thanks so much, Terry, for coming on. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Good to so give us the highlights of like, what is the major problem around this whole kind of people having a plan or what we just discussed, most people not having a plan? Okay. So I guess it, it surrounds the word planning. I think the most people, when you talk about financial planning, they think, right, I'm going to go and get a mortgage. They instinctively... Uh, connect that with a product okay so I, I just want to step that back I'm more talking about planning as in goals goals and objectives okay and there's a question that I ask every single client as part of the planning school it's, do you have a written plan incorporating all your goals and objectives I've done about 650 planning schools not one client has ever said yes do you wow. have a written plan incorporating all your goals and objectives, not just property, not just the ones that make you money, all your goals and objectives. Now, are, we talk, are we talking about like health and relationships? Or are we strictly talking well, about... Well, we don't go into health. I think, I, I, to be honest, we just would never make any progress if we went into health because uh, you just wouldn't. But we don't go into health. But certainly anything to do with the offensive aspect of creating wealth and the defensive aspect of protecting wealth whether that be defensive in tax or estate planning or protection or cash or anything, business, business matters. Um, then planning is important, but I'm not talking about the high street retail-y stuff. It, we could meet someone who works in the city on 200,000 a year, buying his fourth house with three kids, and they absolutely bomb on the planning score. Mm. Yes, they bought a house. Yes, they've had a mortgage. They've done the retail bits. They might have a pension and a bit of an ISA. But if you start scratching below the subject and asking some really soul-searching questions. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, talk, let's talk about some of the damage then, Terry, because like I think, you know, if we just kind of talk yeah. about the surface level hairy-fairy stuff, people are going to miss what some of the dangers here are. So we were just talking, and it's okay mm. to like, bring it up and talk about it now, but mm. like, let's highlight some of the major areas. You, you talked about... What was that statistic about how many people have a will? Okay, well, look, we, let's before we get on to this then. So it is, and I will come to that. But clearly, yes, people love all the offensive planning, which is buying properties, investing, ISAs, cash stocks, because it's all sexy and it makes you feel, it makes you more wealthy, it makes you feel good. 
we were talking about the defensive stuff. And one of the key defensive things is having a will, as boring as it may sound. Now, when I talk to clients, new clients that come to us, about 90% do not have a will, a wow. valid written will. And I'm in that and I'm in that 90%. You're in that 90%. And it's really easy to be in that 90% because we and I'm not being disrespectful to any of the people on the team, and we've got various partner firms that handle this. I think it's a very, very important subject. Uh, in its basic form, it's at least giving you a say in your affairs if you die. In its higher form, it's giving you some serious tax planning on inheritance tax and other prospective matters. But if you don't do it, then you essentially do leave matters to the British government. And it can get very problematic. And I, I've sadly, I've seen some deaths amongst clients, especially you know during COVID. And some of them were terrible because the people were intestate, which means they don't have a will, which means you have to follow the laws of intestacy. And they cre that creates tremendous disharmony in families because it immediately sets people polarized against each other. It slows the process down because assets are essentially suspended until probate is approved. And until that's done, then nobody can really get access to the, to the use of the estate, you know, because probate has to be granted first. So, you know, having a will speeds up probate and having a will lets everybody know what was the person's intention about their estate. And think about it, if you've got young kiddies and two people die, what happens to the children? Who are the guardians? If there's no will, then you know what are the courts going to do? Who are they going to decide? And that can create tremendous uncertainty for children. Who are the people that can look after the money? The, the, the money I call them the money team. They're called trustees, but I, I use a little term called the money team and the care team just to make it a bit easier to understand. Care team are the guardians, money team are the trustees. Um, but you know. This is one of many defensive aspects. And I say to clients, think of it like a like a, a football team has got your Ronaldos and your Messi's and everyone likes that and they're very popular. But you also need good goalies and good defenders. Everyone needs a good defensive strategy. Whether mm. it's deep enough cash, that applies if you're running property portfolios or even a business. Cash is always king and always will be. Keeping good amounts of cash. We know from looking at the recent economic events, they can, things can turn. They can turn quite quickly. So cash is important. Wills, lasting powers of attorney, that's if you lose your mental capacity. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that the British government through the Court of Protection, and rightly so, have to intervene if someone loses their mental capacity and they have to protect the person. But sometimes if that person has been married for 30 years, that can be very difficult for the non-incapacitated spouse as the Court of Protection rolls into town. Yeah. So. So I'm, not knocking, I'm not knocking the court of protection or any role because it's necessary. So people should plan in let's, this arena. Let's break it down then, Terry. So like, mm. you know, I'll just come from my point of view, but anybody watching right now, put it in the comments. Uh, do you have a will? If not, why not? You know, if so, mm. like, what, what, what circumstance made you put it in place? But I, I tell you for me, you know, what the first thing is, I, I'm not thinking about dying. I suppose that's a cheap cop out yeah. excuse. Yeah, but 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 the other thing is, um, yeah, I mean, maybe I just don't put the importance of it or not realizing what might happen uh, with assets or shares or whatever it is that I've got in any businesses. So this is it. And I, I you know, it's interesting because about 90 percent of all clients we meet do not have a will. It's a high statistic. Uh, and we are dealing with 45, 50 year olds 
high earners, intelligent people in the main. And I would say generally the reasons why they don't have one is in many cases where they've been buying a house or doing something, someone has always told them to do it. Like, Mark, you know you need a will, don't you? Go and do one. And you go, yes, I do. I'll do it. And then you step out and your whole life takes over and it just fades into a distant memory. How about if someone said, well, I've the plan. It's live this quarter. I'm going to book an appointment. It's booked. Mm. It's done. And I think that that's what makes the difference is helping people not only to have an awareness so that there is a knowledge of the issue, but it's helping get it done. Yes. Because knowledge alone doesn't save you. you yeah. Know, so there's, no, there's no rewards in the plan school for intellectual knowledge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You've got to execute on it. So yeah. you, you did mention like um, the probate, like it has to make a decision and having a will just speeds it up. So yeah. is it is it because ultimately still, you know, I mean, government don't just take control of your assets, do they? Like it just has to be a longer drawn out process to decide where it's going to go or how does that work? Well, death is complicated. Uh, the administration of death is complicated. I think uh, from my, from dealing with clients, I think people have, whether it's cognitively have a romantic notion that everything just falls into place, but it generally doesn't. Uh, when somebody dies, it's often, if they're young, so if it's a premature death, it's often a shock. Uh, if they have no will, then first of all, nobody knows what they want. People have to find out what they have, what makes up their net estate. Then what they owe, who do they owe money to? Who might have a claim? Who, who do they owe to lenders? Who do they owe in, what do they owe in taxes? You know, and then it becomes quite a bit of a problem. So whether you have a will or not, probate has to run its course. It's just faster if you do, and it's much slower if you don't. And of course, if you don't, you have no say. Now that's really important if you've got assets and more importantly, children. Um, because, as, and you're right, Mark, premature death is rare. Thank heavens, it is rare. I am always shocked when, um, when there is a premature death, but it does happen. And a joint premature death with children with no will, quite frankly, is a disaster. And I think the other unfortunate thing, it pits family members against each other. You would not believe. We had a situation recently where I was aware of someone who died intestate without a will. And it, it really created a war amongst the two families. And it was really sad to see that happen. And that wouldn't have happened if there was a will in place. And um, it was a really yeah. fail. But I, I wasn't here tonight just to talk about wills because I don't want people to think that that's my bag. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but like I said, uh, planning, or as I like to call it, having a, a, you know, a battle plan or a war room, I mean, a really having something that's a live metronome heartbeat of planning defensive is part of that and and wills are a big defensive part so is last and power of attorney so is cash um so, and a few other things as well so yeah so tell us about some of these other areas that people are probably not even considering or some of these uh terms that people might not know about but before you do that i just want to say the people watching hey, listen yeah. you want to be for a chance to get some to win the prize tonight we're going to be giving away some coaching uh, this is going to be three months coaching get you going in the right direction uh great 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 subject off planning here uh, we're going to give it away for free. All you have to do is hit the share button and tag at least 20 people. Let us know when you've shared it, by the way, in the comments, just so we can give you a shout out and tag at least 20 other people in here. And then you will be in a chance as long as you're still here at the end of the show. 
uh, watching it live. By the way, put hashtag live or hashtag replay, depending on what it is you're watching, so we can make sure all the questions you ask uh, get answered. So if you've got any questions about financial, business, planning, setting goals, start get, getting them uh, in the comments, and we'll get Terry to answer them you know, before the end of the show here. So, uh, yeah, Terry, so just tell us, what are all the different aspects that people need to be aware of then when it comes to planning and things yeah, sure. in place? Well, planning, planning is very, without stating the obvious, it is very bespoke to the individual. So one person's plans, objectives, goals, and also their execution is very different from another person's. If I say I'd like to live in a tent on a thousand pounds a month, then there's so much I need to do so I can do that. And if I want somebody else wants to live in a, a property that might be worth, you know, 800,000 and get it paid off and have a passive income of, say, I know, 10,000 a month, then that's going to change all the drivers. It's going to absolutely change all the drivers. So without stating the obvious, a bit like when we go on holiday, we catch a certain plane, we go in a certain direction to be at a certain place at a certain time. With this planning, and the life planning is very, very similar. Th this will not happen by accident. Time moves quickly. Suddenly five years has gone, 10 years has gone. The value of assets has risen. The value of rents has risen. The value of things to buy has risen and time has gone. So we need to set out a very clear picture of what we wanna do, what we wanna achieve across a broad spectrum. And then that a bit like a giant Rolex watch, it just drives all the cogs and the coordinates what we do with our spare income, what we do with our capital, whether we focus on debt suppression or asset acquisition and what ratio and why. It's, it's very, very, very bespoke. So that really, for me, is what planning is about. And there's just not enough of it. I mean, it, my reference to, you know, a, 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 a command and control center or a, a war room, I don't use that lightly because it's tough out there. Uh, and for those who've got a couple of kids and a and demanding job, you know, you've got to carve the time out. And so what we tend to do is focus quarter by quarter to make it easier. Like you said, I think you were mentioned early on about someone who used to write fancy plans for three and five years and it all gets lost. I think if mm. we can just establish a plan for 12 months and then live in the current quarter and stay in the current quarter, that can help. Because then we're working off bite sized chunks. What do we do in this quarter? What um, probably two or three things. And that's the most that most people can hack. And then just keep it that way and move quarter to quarter. See how you get on. Reviewing yeah. accordingly. Always having an awareness of particularly the big long-term goals. There's two in particular that come to mind, if you don't mind me taking a minute or so to talk about them. Sure, yeah, let's do it. So uh, I don't know what you feel about this, but financial independence for me is defined as having no mortgage on the main res and enough passive income to live. If someone has no mortgage on the main res and enough passive income to live, whether they choose to or are forced to live passively, they can do it. So that is that is one of the big ones. And it's getting that balance between debt suppression and asset acquisition. I always say to clients that repaying a mortgage, it's very important to repay mortgages, of course. I just want to make that uh, stress that, that repayment mortgages are great uh, for your main residence. But you know, if you climb Mount Snowden, no disrespect to anybody who has climbed Mount Snowden, there's not exactly any prizes for doing it. Similarly, so I refer to repaying the mortgage on the main res as a Mount Snowden event. We can get it done, but it's not a, it's not a massive game changer. But creating a portfolio that can give you passive income, especially pre-state retirement age, 
I liken that to the Himalayas. Now, that really is a big challenge and needs most of people's time and attention. It, you won't do that through a monthly nodding dog, monthly payment somewhere like you do with a mortgage. It needs the extraordinary activity to do this extraordinary thing. So that's 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 one of the big ones, uh, passive income and being financially independent. Obviously, there's a lot there for the role of property, pensions, ISAs. I mean, I don't give that regulated advice anymore. I mean, even if I wanted to, I couldn't spread myself so thin as to be up to my you know elbows in all that kind of stuff. So we have partner firms who handle that and uh, help clients with the maze of pensions. Many people are completely confused by that subject. Um, and for those who love property, I think there's always a role to play for pensions as well. I mean, look, I love property. I'm a landlord, got properties. Uh, I think pensions are important. There's a, there's, they can coexist. Mm. Uh, why do you think pensions are a good idea? Why? Yeah. Well, you get tax relief, gross tax free, and it's a monthly, you can do a monthly hit. You know what it's like when you're trying to buy a property. You can hunt for months. You can some people go for ages. It's like landing a great white shark. You know, it takes time. But with a with a pension, you can just have a monthly hit, and so you can be have you can be scoring a goal each month, and obviously for all of the other other obvious reasons that it uh, complements it and it leaves you not with everything in one basket. Even if you are a lover of property and like the majority of your assets to be property, you can always complement it with uh, pension planning. Uh, it's yeah. a different asset class, uh, and it's uh, it's a monthly score, and it's it's tax efficient. Yeah, but yeah. You need, to seek, you need to seek regulated advice on that. That's yeah. absolutely essential, and steer away from anything that's not regulated. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, yeah. So I just want to touch on that. You mentioned I was telling you a story before. I was in a business, and yeah. you know, we were we were putting like these plans together, three and five year plans, and it was always a fancy kind of oh, you know, got got to yeah. do all this and that and all the rest of it. And and I've realised in all the business I've ever been involved in, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been involved in 18 different businesses, either started it, partnered, you know, founded or whatever. We've done over 70 million in sales over the last 10 or 12 years. Yeah. And and I realized that there is no shortage of ideas in any business. No, absolutely. Yeah? What I see there's a shortage of is execution. Absolutely. So when it comes to pensions, I, the reason I ask you is because the only reason I see that there's any benefit is the tax relief. Yeah, because I don't think there's any other benefit other than that. Well, you know, there are, the, the tax relief is long and complicated, potentially, you know, it can be used as an IHT vehicle as well for those who uh, who don't. Uh, look, it's a big subject, but I personally think that it can complement it uh, for a number of different reasons. Um, like one of them, like, for example, that you can do something monthly and have a monthly hit. And now... I've got some clients who don't do anything in pensions. They just completely love property. And I've got, you know, I've got clients who complement the same. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, each, each to their own. I'm not saying do it or don't do it. Um, but what I'm talking about, again, on the subject of execution, because like you say, you know, we can plan. But if we don't like if you don't work quarter to quarter, focus on what you're supposed to deliver, make, you know, Absolutely. things happen, move things, churn things, then forever people sit in that mode of, yeah, but I'm just planning. I'm just I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. We don't want to become, no disrespect to the subject of um, multi-level marketing, but you know, some people who are involved in multi-level marketing, they just listen to tapes and sometimes just talk about stuff. It's very easy to get caught up in a lot of that and not transact and not do anything. I've seen some people do that. You have to act. You have to act. 
Therefore, by having short three monthly goals, if they're very clear, we've got to do three things this month. It's really clear. Mm. We need to do three things this month. Let's get them done. Mm, mm, mm. It's interesting you say that we teach something called the MGOT, stands for mission, goals, outcomes, target, schedule, and the outcomes that we set them on a quarterly basis. And it's just like, hey, listen, just focus on one, two, or three things, depending on how big your team is, right? Obviously, you know, I'm part of some bigger teams, so sometimes we have five or six outcomes, but we've got the people who can champion them. But then they've only got one thing to focus on. Yeah, and it's just having that one thing, knocking it over the line. And But like, it's, it's not just multi-level marketing. Obviously, it's anything, but it's also property. And I see a lot of people, they just read and they just watch and they watch and they watch and they're getting ready and they're getting ready and they're getting ready. Oh, and now Brexit came. So hold on a second. I've got to wait now. And then they're getting ready and they're getting ready and getting ready. Oh, now it's a pandemic. Can't do that. They're getting ready. They're getting ready. They're getting ready. Oh, now there's going to be interest rate, you know, and they're just forever sitting on the fence. Maybe just do one or two deals here or there. Mm. Yeah. What is it that you've seen from all the people that you spoke with? You said, you know, over 600 of these, uh, you know, planning supports. What is it that gets people moving, Terry? Well, look, like I say, the vast majority of clients we deal with are successful people. They're educated. They're in great jobs. They're in good money. And you'd think that, that the planning would be really focused. So I think the, the, the people like that are subject to the same challenges of the rest of us. You know, most people, it's family, life, kids, just family life, coming home from work, tired not knowing where to go, maybe sometimes going somewhere and then getting just picked up with all the retail stuff, credit cards, mortgages, blah, 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 the same kind of stuff you get in the high street. No disrespect to that. That sometimes has a role and people need to sort that out. But the establishment of key goals, whatever they are, requires people to actually stop and stand still and to think, think long and hard and to really think about what needs to be done what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? And what's going to make a difference? Now, some of those things that come out of that exercise are transactional. You can deal with them quite quickly. Some are mildly important. Others are on fire because they're absolutely essential. Others are really exciting and great subjects that are going to change your life. Who knows? There's a mishmash. Um, but in as much as the planning is then kept short, like you say, three months, like that's why we do it. Try to keep in three months, six months, that kind of mold, and just try to keep it a small group of things that people can handle in, in respect to everybody else's day and agenda. Mm. So, like, even when people come up with these goals, because, you know, I've seen it and people say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this. What do you think the, ki- the you know, the biggest th- killer is other than procrastination? Because obviously we, we know that all happens. Like, well, what's the biggest killer of people just not following up on what they're doing? Sometimes it can be, well, I'm trying to think if it's in relation to offensive things, because the defensive things are a lot easier, but the, you know, they're mostly transactional. The, whether it be trusts, life cover, protection, wills, last and perhaps it's transactional. I think the offensive things, i.e. wealth creation, a lot of people fear making a mistake. The economic backdrop sometimes can unsettle people and make people a bit uncertain as to whether they should dive in the pool, as it were. Um, So there are those bigger kind of macroeconomic backdrops. Um, But people need support, particularly on property. I know you offer a lot of that support to the clients you work with, and that's what you do. We try to do something um, in our own style. So what we try to do is uh, where clients are looking to buy property, we try to help them identify an area, identify a property type. 
And then we stay with them during that journey. Because I, I just think there's very few people who will say to a client, I wouldn't buy that property if I were you. It's too close to a river. Or mm, the lease is too short. Or I don't think it's good for if there was hey, another pandemic. Terry, I love this, you know. This comes up very often in our community and our, and our trainings and things like this. And it's like, people come to me and they say, yeah, oh, I'm not going for that deal anymore. I'm like, why is that? Oh, because the, you know, the person said, the broker said this, the solicitor said that and all the rest of it. And I'm very kind of blessed to have a great team mm. and give me great, great professional advice. Mm. But that's exactly what it is. Professional advice. So I go to professionals to mm -hmm. get professional advice. I do not ask professionals trigger pulling advice. Mm. Uh, and There's a big I difference. Have, I have to go to someone who can not once in 1983 pulled the trigger one time. Yeah. But who's consistently forever pulling the trigger on opportunities, on property deals, on raising investment, on starting businesses, on hiring people, on taking risk. Because it's like a muscle, you know, mm. like, you know, you don't work that muscle. It, it, that's why you can't have done it, you know, 10 years ago, one time. Because in fact, some people who took, like you say, they, they maybe have took a risk in their early 20s or whatever, you know, got burned or hurt or what, something like that. So now they don't make that move like what you were saying because of, oh, well, hold on a minute. I'm a bit uncertain now. Maybe I rushed in too soon last time. And now they sit on the fence and they're, and they're waiting. Yes. But you've got to be careful who you get advice from, Terry. What, what, you have. You've got to be careful who you get advice from. But equally, as sometimes there is a there is a, a good property to buy, um, there sometimes there is a property to walk away from if the if the reasons are genuine. Uh, like for example, we've had some clients look at buy a property where the lease was really short, or it was right next to a raging river, or you know it just in a city where there's not much green space. And you think, you know, if there was another pandemic. So I just think it depends. And if the, it depends on the, the, the client, but you are absolutely right. You have to get the input from people who have no axe to grind from whether you buy or not and can genuinely give you some honest assessment. I mean, look, in most cases, uh, the clients we work with, they've already worked out these things. They've worked out not to go close to a river. They know we're in a climate change. They, you know, they, they've given thought to these things. They know not to buy short leases. Uh, so they've thought these things through. Uh, and we, we, you know, we can happily help them pick up some, some real assets. Um, but every now and then that happens. And it's just, it's just being honest with people, I think. Mm. We, we, you know, I just like to try and be really open and honest, you know, wherever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Honesty is the key. So what tips would you give people, like, you know, when they're doing their networking or they're kind of going out there looking for mentors or, or coaches or whoever to get advice, like what kind of things can people either ask or look out for to make sure they're getting good, solid advice or, or guidance? Well, everyone needs support. It's always good to have networks, you know, when you're, you know, when you're looking to pick up deals because they can come through networks and whether it's letting agents or estate agents or property agents, lawyers, uh, you, you, you've got to build up a team uh, that you can work with and take their opinion. And as much as there is no axe to grind within that lot, that's always important. Uh, no, no one who's got a, a reason to either say yay or nay, uh, that it's impartial, honest assessment. Uh, but no one owns the subject of, of uh, being correct on these things. At the end of the day, it's down to the buyer. They can listen to three or four people. You might get slightly different input, 
from you know across that and then they have to weigh it up and make that decision you know it's uh, that's the joys of being a landlord it's uh, you're in control you're in this you're in the driving seat and you're the fund manager so you're making the decision uh, and you are effectively like a fund manager because you're buying the asset that you determine is going to work yeah uh, and that's an exciting thing but it's also a huge responsibility yeah and, and i love to challenge people and i think that's how we get the best results but mm. terry one of the biggest things i've seen and i don't know what your view on this is people tend to go into business and by the way for me my opinion property is the easiest business i've ever been in yeah and i'll tell you the short version of why it's because you know i've done many different things before but in property everything is already there demand is there the product is there the builders are there the banks are there investors are there solicitors brokers everything everybody's already there uh, it's just there. Like, I don't have to make nothing. I mean, I've done software companies, you know, other businesses. You know, it's crazy stuff. Yes. But but so but the biggest thing I've seen is you people they were like, I want to go into business, and got many different reasons. But the underlying thing they fail to see in themselves is that that most of them go into business because they don't actually want to be accountable. No, I mean they don't say that. But the underlying belief system underneath is like, well, I don't want to be accountable to someone else telling me what to do, when I'm going to do it, where I'm going to do it. And that if that's not handled, I see people, they go into business and now they're all over the place and they're not yes. accountable. They don't show up for themselves. I mean, they'll show up to a meeting where they booked it with a time with someone else. I mean, that's easy. Yes. But they don't show up for themselves anymore. They don't say, if they said they're going to do start something at nine, they don't start at nine. It starts at then 10 quarter past, then half past, and then tomorrow. So what, yes. what, happens, what happens there, Terry? What's your, what's your kind of two pence on that? Well, I, I agree with you. I always say to clients, every now and then, um, clients come to me and they say, oh, I like property because it's hands-off. And I say, can I just correct you? It's not hands-off. It's hands-on. Anyone who says it's hands-off, uh, you know, because if you're a, a, a landlord, I mean, we've got a client with nearly 400 units. They're very hands-on. They're absolutely hands-on. This thing's worth millions and millions and millions of pounds. It's an absolutely fabulous business. I think, you know, being involved, being a landlord is, is also a huge responsibility with your tenants. I and mean, I take that very seriously, you know, when, with what we do. And I love the underlying subject. I, I always have done. Um, so I say to clients, look, this, this isn't hands-off. It's not armchair. You will have to work. Uh, if you want to create something that's worth millions of pounds, it's going to give you 10, 12, 15,000 a month. You know, you, you need to be able to put in the spade work and, and, and it's going to need looking after. It's, it's important. Uh, yeah. and I think you have to have that mindset. I think, it depends. I think it depends, Terry, how much of the pie you want. You know, because if you want most of the pie, then, yeah, you've got to be in, the, in it. But like if you're willing to create a bigger pie and have less, and this was what one you of mean the, if you're JVing with people? Well, like, JV, JV is one option, but like yeah. I, I, I always, you know, growing up having nothing, I kind of came out of the blocks into the working world, wanting to have everything myself, you know. Mm. And I realized that's a hard track to walk. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I, until I, until one day I learned to let go. And it, by the way, it was a tough, tough many years mm -hmm. lessons mm -hmm. to figure that out to let go and to trust people knowing that people might not you know do it as good as i think i can do it even though i might yeah. not be burning them anyway but yeah. then but then realize yeah i can either buy it or build it you know and if i build it yeah i've got to put the work in but if i buy it i'm going to pull someone into the business or into the 
into the thing but like but then you gotta you gotta find the balance you know if I, either i've got to plow to have the money to plow it in or raise the money to plow it in or uh i've got to build it initially to get the capital and then have some bring someone in on a nice salary profit share and then them start to take some things and but now i i think i, I love this thing i heard the other day terry i don't know if you heard this before but they said i don't know how accurate these stats are but they said 90 percent of millionaires are in property they're in real estate but 100% of billionaires, they're in the equity business. And I think that's only where it can start to become hands off. Mm. Where, yeah, you have an equity in a business, but then you bring in other people in to, mm. to run the show and run yeah. the thing because they're passionate about, I don't know, construction or, mm. or managing properties or whatever it is that these guys, are, you know, everyone's passionate about different. I mean, there are people out there, believe it or not, they're passionate about spreadsheets, you know? And they love a good spreadsheet and they love all of that. That's not me, obviously, but, you know, that, that there. So I think that it's, is it. Everyone does things in their own way. I think as long as you put in, as long as, like you said, you, you're accountable even if you work for yourself. And if you haven't realized that and you're living in fantasy land, you know, that's essential. It's, you, you, the most, imper- most important person to be accountable to is yourself. And if you're prepared to put in the work, hard work and be serious about it, then I agree with you. Property is a great asset class. I always hear, I, I get frustrated when I hear people, landlords say, I've had it with the government, I'm leaning the industry, there's this, there's that, there's this. And there's always been challenges, you know, for as long as I can remember, there's always been challenges and there always will be. There's always going to be a new rule, a new piece of legislation. But I think if you're at the top of the tree, if you're a landlord, if you're a good landlord, if you've got a good property that's clean and you're attentive and you're considerate, with your tenants and those who let from you, you'll you, you have no problem with any legislation, I don't think, mm. my personal opinion. Yeah, we have a saying that says the changes, they're just there to wipe out the weak people, you know, the people who are not doing it properly. And, and by the way, Terry, if you look at it, generally that is actually it. You know, well, that's probably what they're looking to do, to be honest. It's just because, um, sadly, there are accidental landlords who perhaps don't uh, pay sufficient attention to some of the regulatory things and, you know, etc. I heard a couple of horror stories last week, uh, and it really did. I did wonder what was driving that. Uh, and maybe these things are there just to clean them out and to try yeah. and sum things up a bit. Exactly. We're looking at it this way. A lot of people, they started buying properties in their own name. Yeah. And it was like this pension or nest egg yeah. kind of situation. Obviously, not everybody, but a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. And then what happened is they're not really making that much money. Yeah. And when you don't make money as a landlord, you can't really maintain your property. Yeah. yeah. Or you can't, you can't make sure that, you know, the, you know, big things when they ha- happen, that they can be fixed or sorted and then it causes problems and it gets worse and all of this. Yeah. So when they bought in that section 24, these people that weren't making much money, who couldn't really maintain now, obviously making little money, making no money or losing money. Yes. People didn't, people didn't listen. You know, oh, yeah, so it's 24, you're going to get taxed now. You can't claim your, you know, uh, mortgage and all this. But it was only till 18 months later when they actually have to file their tax return. And it's like, whoa, hold on a yes. minute. I owe more money than actually came in. What the is going on here? Yeah. yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you know, these people, those properties are going to get taken over by somebody who does know what they're doing. Yes. Hope, hopefully, anyway, you know, in the most cases. But it yeah. might have you know and someone can come in and someone's going to be because now it is favorable to do it in a limited company and to do it in a limited company really you've got to be running as a very efficient business or you'll struggle three four five years down the line as well 
you know, yes. when they start making more changes and they change the corporation tax, which is going to be changing, you know, the thresholds of that as it goes up now when you're making you yeah. know, money and profits like that. So, Terry, I'll be honest, and this ain't just me putting a game face on. I love it when these changes happen because it creates more and more kind of space, number one, but also opportunity. And because it takes a while, like a couple of it takes like three or four years for these changes to come in. And if you get wind of them as they're coming, you can already, and that's where planning comes in. And that's well, exactly. what that's what it's yeah. all about here. There are people in the planning industry who love it when the chancellor stands up because what it does, it just, it just, you know, completely gives opportunities for planning advice and for people to manage the ship and keep a, a hand on the tiller. Uh, and these things will will inevitably come and will always be there. And there will never be a scenario where there are no challenges. So you have to assume there will be challenges. Keep a good defensive strategy. Keep a good plan. Stay on top of the game. And you should be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just before we wrap this up, I want to bring one more subject to the table mm. here. Because I think this is very fitting to kind of mm. summarize what we've been talking about. You know, like in my growth and my plans and how I want to, you know, take over the world yeah and, and create the ultimate environment to work rest and play that's what we're doing like we're working yes. on opening 50 locations in the next you know five years would be two yes. billion dollars a year in revenue and, and gym spas restaurants you know workspace office space tennis courts you know charity that trains kids all this stuff i i just wondered and i was like i look at some of the people like richard branson and i'm like what's the difference between me and him now, normally this question pops into my head when I'm having a tough time or, you know, feeling the pressure or whatever. And I think, what's the difference? And I, I always end up at the same kind of space of like, it's just the ability to handle more. You know, yeah. so like we talk about being accountable or responsible. I always remember the thing where uh, Branson had his uh, train contract, right? And it came mm. up for a and the tender got redone and someone else won the tender and they awarded it to the other people and he was like no 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 like they cannot deliver it for that price and he went back and said you must retender this you must reconsider this and, and that's not surprising because if you read his book i think his first book can't remember it which talks about his um kind of formative years as a child his mother would send him out to to on a long errand to get something and if she forgot when he came back she'd send him back out and he became very tenacious. He was making telephone calls to, you know, people high up in the record industry from a telephone box. Uh, and he was phenomenal. And his ability to apply himself is, is quite exceptional. Um, yeah. uh, and to be creative and to be bold and brave. So, you know, he's, he's, he's really quite a remarkable person. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, if we can have a tenth or 20% of his skill set then that would just be fantastic and uh, but everyone can be their own brave and everyone can be their own bold and their own tenacious in their own sphere within their own plan not everyone wants to create a virgin atlantic or do something similar but if they want to own seven properties or create ten thousand pounds worth a month of passive income and get on top of a whole other goals it's the same concept you've got to know where you're going you've got to have a plan and you've got to be tenacious Love it. Yeah, got to have that plan. You know, what, what, like let's put it, like most people in that situation, they lose that contract, they just say, oh, well, you know, I'm stressed now and I quit and I've seen it. And I felt like it before myself. But yeah, I, love that, I love that story. And like you say, I didn't know the phone box. I like that. Yeah, yeah I remember reading it. I, 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 
I remember the book's that. worth reading. The book is worth reading. It's uh, it's absolutely. I read his second book. I, I remember he was uh, he'd he'd won not won but like won the bid to sponsor some Formula One car, and it was a real good price apparently. And uh, he literally flew from the UK to the Australian Grand Prix with the Virgin bag badge in his rucksack and stuck it on the side of the car himself. Yeah. <laughs> I love And this. This was after he already created like, you know, yes. a couple of billion dollar companies. I mean, like yes. you say, he's remarkable. I mean, I don't think anyone creates 12 different billion dollar companies if you're not remarkable. So, no, yeah. absolutely. He is extraordinary. Uh, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's interesting when you look at the wealth statistics. Uh, I was talking to a client today who's got a net worth of 1.9 million. It's in the top 4% in the country at 1.9. Wow. Right. Really? So, you know, the vast, sadly, the vast majority of people have little or no wealth and are heavily reliant on the state for things and for state pension and don't plan and don't have any of their own plans for any passive income, whether it be conventional pension or whatever, etc. And so to be different and to be extraordinary and to maybe even if you only own three or four properties asts hmos even but if you if you get on top of your planning and achieve your goals and objectives then you are successful you're you're successful as defined by you and that's the key thing we like to reiterate to clients it's the client's plan each plan is distinctive each set of goals is distinctive we come on board in a, in a fee-based uh, way. We like to demonstrate that we can add value. If we feel we cannot add value, we wouldn't even take a client on. Um, but the planning score helps us to identify how we can help clients in their goal setting and in their planning. And we can bring energy to the table and momentum, which is important because that really is important to get things done. You can know everything, but if you don't get anything done, then there's no difference. Um, and yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a great thing. I, I'm, I'm quite fortunate to do what I do because I enjoy it. I love property and I also love planning. So I'm, I'm kind of spoiled. Um, yeah, I am. I'm very spoiled. I'm quite fortunate. I must say. I love it. So I imagine you feel the same way. I think. Yeah. I like it. Listen, when you're on purpose, you do what you look, love. It doesn't matter what's happening really. Cause you're just going to yeah. ride, ride the waves. So last couple of questions. And I always ask this because I love to, you know, see what comes out. Mm. Like, I, just, I just want, let's say you've got a microphone right now that translates to every different language mm -hmm. across the globe. Okay. What, what would like your 30 second message be to, to the people? <laughs> oh, well, I wish you'd give me some notice on that because that's a tough one. In, obviously, in relation to business, keeping it to business, it would just be have a plan, have a written plan incorporating all your goals and objectives. Review it every quarter. If we can help you, great. I think if you've got that and then you apply yourself with hard work and energy and accountability, you will be successful. You will be because you'll have all the sat-nav coordinates set. You know where you're going. You're keeping it real and you've got the energy. So I, I, and as much as you're surrounded by people who are giving you proper professional advice, regulated where it needs to be and professional where it needs to be, you, you cannot go wrong. You cannot go wrong. And planning is, an, is, a, is a chair with 12 legs on it. It's not all about property. No disrespect to you or your organization at all. 
life and planning is broad. Uh, you could have the most amazing property portfolio. You could have the most amazing wealth. You get hit by a car and die with no will, and it's an absolute catastrophic mess. A mess. So therefore, that's one of the legs. Now, there are plenty of others. Planning is a 12-legged chair, and we need to, we, we can't just be overlaying our energy in one area. We have to keep it broad. Yeah, I listen, there could be no car crash or no death, and it's still a mess. <laughs> well, yeah, you could be, but I, I only say that to give an example. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, good. And, and you know, uh, whilst our typical, a typical client for us is someone who probably earns considerably more than the average, 100% of clients we receive are referred, either professionally or by clients. OK, so that that is important to us and we can have a client who's referred to us from anybody at any time. I would always try and help wherever we can, even if it's a chat where we don't engage. And it's just because it's not practical or possible and I can have a chat to help them. Um, I'll do whatever I can to help someone out. Uh, if it means reducing our fee because a person's circumstances does not warrant our engagement at the conventional level, then if we can help, we'll help. If I don't feel we can help, I'll probably have a chat and just encourage them to meet us at the next level. Um, mm. That's my approach. Nice. I love it. Uh, a client that works for us, though, if you if I can just take that minute, is someone who's probably got a couple of properties, maybe got a business, wants to get an angle on tax planning, a couple of kids, a little bit, you know, has, has got a, enough clay on the table where they need to plan. Uh, there's a lot we can do for that type of client. Nice. Absolutely love it. So um, thank you for coming on. i got one more question. I always ask as well, one more question, but I just want to say I really appreciate coming on. I have some, so, so much value here. So if like people can, you know, take the gold from this, listen to this again and again, then, uh, and, and apply, like you say, the whole message been through has been about applying and taking these steps forward, whatever they are, however small they are, just move. Uh, but we have this saying in our mm. community, we have this saying in our community that we say, you got to do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why mm. is that? What you're asking me? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why is? Why right do the right, the right reason? reason? Sorry, you caught me reading some of your comp some of the some of the questions uh, that were just hosted. I, um, uh, well, if you do the wrong thing for the wrong reason, you will you will pretty much fail for certain. Um, even if you do the wrong thing for the right reason, you'll fail. Uh, so those two drivers are essential that you do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Um, I caught a, a comment there of some solicitors do a will for free. Well, look, any will is better than no will. Even one that you've bought from Smith's and written out yourself. At least you're not intestate and no will. <laughs> but wills are like buying a car or a suit. They're kind of modular. And you don't get, you don't get anything. You don't get something good for nothing. We all know that. Right? So if someone does something for free, there's normally an angle on that. Okay, which we shouldn't be surprised about. But my opinion, if you can get a will, then at least you're not intestate, i.e. no will, and then you can build on it another time. So if a person's finances do not allow them to go and get a proper professional will, remember, wills sometimes, they can be a little more complicated. There's a lot of potentially complex stuff to do with trusts and inheritance tax planning. But if, you, if your circumstances are simple, you could go and get one done for free. Some charities do them for free. That's because they want to have a little contribution. Nothing wrong with that. At least you're not intestate. Some lawyers do it for free because they're nice and want to help out. Great. They probably won't do you a complicated trust-based will for free, but they'll probably do a basic one. But a basic one's better than no one. Uh, so that's for certain.
but um, but yes, and you can do the lasting power of attorney online in the government portal. But I reckon about less than well, it's very rare that we meet a client who's got a lasting power of attorney. I'm talking in a couple of percentage points. And if you lose your mental capacity and you haven't got a lasting power of attorney, the non-incapacitated spouse or partner will have a very interesting time coming their way. Well, I say interesting, but challenging. So you can do that online, and that sometimes costs nothing. But again, why why do so people do so many people not do it? Lack of knowledge, lack of energy. Don't know. I'll tell you why, Terry. Because what's easy to do is also easy not to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want anyone to think that uh, my life solely re revolves around wills and lasting powers of attorney and morbid defensive subjects. Uh, I, if I was a football manager, you might think I was keen on the defensive side, but I'm also keen on the offensive side. At the end of the day, we have to get off and make wealth. Uh, you don't save to get wealthy. You know that, fa that famous phrase, you never save to wealth, do you? You invest to wealth. Mm -hmm. um, and, and no disrespect to saving away and squirreling away money. Anyone who's squirreled away £100 a month or £200 a month for 24 months, that money can sometimes be the only money they have, ironically. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you want to create real wealth and get yourself into that top 15 or 10% or 5%, you'll have to invest. You'll have to invest and step off the perch and do something. And you'll have to be extraordinary because it's not the ordinary people that do that. It's the extraordinary people that do that. Absolutely. Fantastic. So, hey, listen, just before we wrap this up, we got, uh, I need you to pick as a winner. So um, we've collated mm -hmm. information here and uh, I need you to pick a number, one, two or three. Two. Two. Very so if this, person, if, this person, if this person is still here, which I think they recently commented, that is Mr. Chris Mockett. Chris Mockett, yes, saw him. Just drop us a uh, drop us a comment. Let us know you're still here. Let us know you're watching. Three months coaching coming your way, sir. Yeah, so uh, let me just see if he is here. If not, we'll go to the next one. Yeah, we'll go to the next one. Let's see if it's here. But thank you for coming on, Terry. You're welcome. Um, appreciate it uh it's been fantastic yes here he is yeah fantastic so chris just got a direct message to the mark harvey page put in hashtag i won hashtag i won and uh the team will get that process rolling for you so they can select the best coach for for that yeah we'd love to help out our community there you go and thanks again terry uh you've you been are. helping you've been helping all the viewers out and all the people listening and watching this podcast and this episode so uh, as Terry said, you've got to do the right thing for the right reason. And as in our community, we know because that is the only way to discover your true potential. Fantastic.